Chapter 7 Hearing God's Voice Testing 1, 2, 3 Now how do I know when it is God speaking and not my flesh or Satan? Please remember, when I say Satan, I don't mean he is the very one who does this, because he can't be everywhere at once. But I do mean that his workers in the kingdom of darkness are involved in some way, either the fallen angels or demons, he being their leader. So Satan and flesh. 1. They focus on pleasures for self or the pleasures of those close to us. 2. They focus on how to elevate oneself and why it is self-reliant, being our own God. 3. They focus on fear of situations more than what's right, i.e. why it can't versus why it can. There is no such thing as healthy fear in Scripture. All fear-based decisions are bad. What about crossing a busy street to get a ball? Isn't that a fear-based decision? People get confused between wisdom-based and fear-based decisions. It is fear-based when we try to justify why we can't cross the street. The focus is more on the barrier than on the original objective, getting a ball. A wisdom-based decision has a clearer objective of getting the ball. The street is just one of the barriers it has to overcome, not run from. So wisdom looks for gaps in the busy street to cross, but fear refrains from the original objective because it fears the busy street. Now sometimes the effort in meeting the objective outweighs the benefit, therefore it is not worth proceeding. Again, a wisdom-based decision, not fear-based. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary Satan walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Why like a roaring lion? To scare you. And once he scares you, he has you. Growing up, we had many dogs on our land. At one point, we had seven dogs who were a mixture of Rottweiler and Chow. And when they barked, they wanted to instill fear in those coming onto the property. If they smelled fear, they went on to attack. If there was no fear, they were hesitant, cautious. Fear to Satan is like blood in the water for a shark. It demands an attack. Flesh and Satan are crafty and can also provide scripture to support each point of view. It provides worldly logic and it may seem to be love motivated. I personally have made mistakes here, thinking it is from God when it was from my flesh or Satan. Over the years, I've been able to see through most of these errors by ensuring all four of these are true. 1. Am I loving my Heavenly Father and His Kingdom and not focusing on fear or elevation? 2. Am I abiding in Him by loving other believers, fasting, prayers, praises, and reading His Word regularly? 3. Am I imitating those who through faith and patience inherit the promises? 4. Am I listening to His voice of peace in my heart? Identify the signs of His voice. Now all the signs of His voice that I will mention below need to be accompanied by an inner peace of knowing. An inner peace of knowing tells me it's right, or no peace tells me it's wrong. I will hear what God the Lord will speak, for He will speak peace to His people and to His saints. But let them not turn back to folly. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. An inner peace that isn't based on logic or tradition or emotions, but on an inner knowing it is right. The knowing is like a green or red traffic light. If green, I may not feel like going, but I know I have to go. Or if I stay, I will face the consequences. 
If it is red, I may feel like going, but I know I can't. Or if I go, I will face the consequences. Inner peace is like the traffic light. When green, I feel peace to go. When red, I feel peace to stop. The situation may look terrible, fearful, illogical to react to, but the witness from the Holy Spirit within may tell me to react. This inner voice is from Holy Spirit, and He uses yes, peace, or no, no peace, to navigate us. We can't see around corners. We can't understand all the fine print. Even if we are fully convinced with logic, we can't see the potential impact for that path. But God does. So listen to His inner voice of peace. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. My employer offered me a new assignment, and I wasn't even looking for it. It really looked good. It came with a promotion and really good financial benefits. Most people would have jumped at the opportunity. So instead of me asking God, should I take the assignment or not? I asked, Lord, should I take the assignment? The first question consists of two questions. Therefore, it is not specific enough. I needed a specific yes or no answer. So I switched off my feelings and listened to Holy Spirit on the inside of me. I felt great that they offered me the position, but I didn't have 100% peace. I was just so excited about the offer and started working out the financial benefit. Everything pointed to saying yes, but inside, something was wrong. I sensed slight uneasiness within me, like a no, but I didn't have the reason. Was this a result of my skeptical self or God? Or was this opportunity too good to be true? Or was it a blessing God put in my path? So I waited and kept trying to justify why it was right with logic. That should have been an indication I didn't have peace, as you don't need to justify it. A week or so later, I was driving home in my car. A word came out from seemingly nowhere, and when the word came, I knew it was related to the assignment. Like a word of knowledge for the church, but this knowledge was for me. The word was time. So I started looking at it through the timing and time lens. It confirmed to me that it was a 100% no. I thanked the Lord for confirming it to me and was happy I didn't take it. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Now there have been times I thought God answered my question with peace, only to discover He answered the why question and not the specific question. My pregnant wife and I wanted to know the sex of our child so I could pray more effectively for him, her. This shouldn't have been difficult. It was simple. Lord, is it a boy? I felt the Lord asking me, why do you want to know? Well, because I want to know what to pray for. Again, he responded with, why? I said, Lord, if it's a boy, then I would pray for this vision for them. If it's a girl, then I would pray for that vision for them. So is it a boy? I felt peace with the vision of the boy and therefore deduced the child was a boy. Yet I didn't feel satisfied and approached the Lord again, this time changing the question, Lord, is it a girl? wanting to compare the inner peace with that of the boy. Again, the Lord responded with, Why? And I kept on telling him the need to pray the vision for the child and was always comforted and had inner peace for the boy's vision. I approached the Lord four times on this and every time ended up believing the child was a boy, only to discover months later that it was a girl. When I approached the Lord on how I had misunderstood him, he asked me from within, Would you have prayed the vision for the boy if you knew it was a girl? I said no. Then I realized the Lord sometimes answers the root of the question, the motivation, not necessarily what I wanted to know, but why I wanted to know it. So next time you ask the Lord to know something, be prepared to answer why you want to know it. 
He will answer that. Here are some signs of His voice. 1. When I read or remember a specific Bible passage and it brings clarity, understanding, or confidence to the exact area of my need, as if it was inserted in the Scripture just for me, it is most likely for me. His Word creates this uncommon peace and joy within me that can't be explained, except to say, God said so. However, if I don't spend time in His Word and don't believe His Word, then it becomes a reproach to me. I won't benefit from it and bringing a curse upon myself. Jesus said, The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Now, if I don't spend time in His Word, how can I recognize His voice? Or how can Holy Spirit bring to my remembrance what Jesus said without me having something inside me to remember? I remember a major obstacle that came up when I wanted to immigrate to Canada. While I was pondering on the severity of the obstacle, a verse popped into my mind. Luke ten nineteen. I went to the washroom, sometimes the best place for peace and quiet, pulled out the New Testament and looked it up. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Even though the context of the scripture wasn't the same as my need, the having power over the enemy and nothing will hurt me was the same as my need. This was the very verse that gave me the confidence to stand against the attack. I memorized that verse and quoted it until the fear of the situation left. Now my flesh, self, and Satan didn't want me to trust God's word. They gave me suggestions of unbelief, like, Did God really say or mean this or that? Is this really a promise for you? Just like Satan did to Eve. If I believed the suggestion, I would have doubted God's word, made different choices, and received the consequences. So I chose to believe his word, regardless of what the situation dictated. And one year later, I received the fruit that I believed God for. Sometimes I feel like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who rejected the pressures of the world, as in Daniel 3:14 through 18 Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which I have set up? Now if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn, flute, harp, lyre, and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music, and you fall down and worship the image which I have made, good. But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered to the king, O oh, Ebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God who we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. And you know what happened? God saved them. Yes, it goes against worldly or natural logic. That is a given. So it comes to choice. The choice to believe him. It's not always easy. Actually, seldom is. Jesus said, when you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am. Notice that only after he is lifted up higher than self, then we will know, not before. Therefore, our choice to believe comes before knowing or seeing an avenue. So hold on to him by holding on to his word and rejoice when suggestions or others come across your path who contradict his word because it means you are on the right path. Consciously cast out those thoughts by speaking against them and try using scripture like Jesus did. 
It is written. 2. A dream or a vision that is ingrained in my mind and I have difficulty shaking it. Deep down, I know it's a message from God. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falls upon men, while slumbering on their beds, then he opens the ears of men and seals their instruction. Sometimes this message is about something I need to do and or pray for, like Peter getting a message through a vision to encourage him to preach to the Gentiles. Sometimes it's a bad situation to tell me to do something to prepare for it, like Joseph preparing for the seven famine years. Sometimes it's something that goes against God's will, a warning, and instead of accepting it, pray against it or lay my hands on them, like Ananias laying hands on Paul to receive his sight. Sometimes it's to reveal the past and the future to bring people to their knees, like Daniel with Nebuchadnezzar. Sometimes it is to prepare self for something and letting me know it is to suffer for his name at the hands of others, like Paul going to Jerusalem knowing what would happen to him. God's will is never for his children to suffer at the hands of sickness, poverty, natural disasters, or accidents. But sometimes it is his will that they suffer at the hands of others, so that those who are persecuting his children see his love and forgiveness in them and come to him. 3. God sends someone across my path to tell me the answer, or ask me a question that inspires the answer. God often uses my loving wife. She is truly my helper, as the Lord designed. Other times, His prophets. And sometimes, He will even use the simplest thing to get my attention, like something a young child says. It reminds me of the prophet Balaam, who was perverse in his ways, who still wasn't getting what the Lord was saying. So the Lord made His donkey talk to him. When God chooses to speak to us through others, many times it wouldn't be new to us. Deep down inside, we would already know the answer, and they just confirmed it. So don't listen to everyone. Make sure that there is an inner confirmation from Holy Spirit of peace, and it is backed up by His Word. A side note, never seek counsel from the world, from the kingdom of darkness, but only from God and His elect. This includes marriage counselors. Never be impressed if someone who doesn't know you tells you about your past or things they wouldn't have known. Wow, if they knew everything about my past, then they must know everything about my future too. Wrong. Satan has access to this information and does this to deceive many. This is not impossible. They know your history, where you live, what you did, knowledge of your family members and friends, your favorite food, etc. It's like one giant website in the spiritual world with everyone's historical data on it. The fallen angels and demons use this to awe people into believing them working behind the scenes, in and through palm readers, psychics, fortune tellers, astrology, etc. They're trying to lure people to believe them. Once they believe, then the fallen angels and demons can get them to pretty much do whatever they want without resistance. So beware and know that they don't know your future. The future is decided only by the choices you make now. They want to rob you of it by giving you their choices to accept or give you their set of beliefs upon which to base your choices. If you believe them, you will conceive the evil and birth it. God strictly warns against this abomination. So if you have done this in the past, repent quickly. 4. The idea is impossible to execute in the natural world, but His Father and His favor propels me forward. 
Like Joshua and Caleb, seeing the opportunity and knowing that God is well able to help against the natural odds. Or like Peter, choosing to obey Jesus' words and step out of the boat into the raging sea to walk on water. 5. A brilliant thought seemingly comes out of nowhere, and by implementing it, it will change the situation. I have the mind of Christ. There are many times at work when I get given a problem to solve, and it's complex. After I pray, I either get a vision of the end result and have no idea how to get there, or I get the next step and have no idea what the end result will look like. I just know that this is the next step. Can you imagine trying to envision or energize others when you only have part of the puzzle? I can't very well say, God said this. Let's see where it takes us. It's fun. 6. God plays a similar scenario out in front of me and expresses the direction. In a negative sense, it's like the Lord sending Nathan to David to play out a scenario. When David heard, he reacted, and Nathan used it to expose David's sin. Now that David's sin was exposed, David was forced to repent. 7. While writing to him, he responds within, and I write his response. It's as if I'm having dialogue with God on paper. He's looking over my shoulder and responding from within. King David often prayed this way through his psalms. He sometimes starts to write from a place of hopeless despair or from fear, but then it's as if God gives him the answer. Now he erupts with praise and declares that he will not be afraid. I've often used this approach when I feel despondent about something or I'm having difficulty focusing on him. It helps the conversation flow because more of my senses are focused on him.